Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Renee Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. You know, sometimes we do that with the Lord. Hey, it's me. And he's like, yeah, I know. I, I know. We're, we're friends, remember? <laughs> You know, John 10, 27, the Lord says, my sheep hear my voice. We hear his voice. You know, just um, to touch on friendship a little bit, as I said, this can be an area that I kind of skim over a little bit due to time and just because Joaquin did a great job preaching the other week on friendship with the Lord, but... I love the story of Moses. I love Moses' relationship with the Lord. You know, we all know Exodus 33:11. it says, So the Lord spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Oh, oh my gosh. It's amazing. You know, I love... I love that we get to not just be servants, but we get to be friends. We get to serve out of a place of friendship. And you know, I was reading Exodus the other day, and this scripture, you know when you read the, the Bible and you've read it like 20 times, but one scripture just like bounces off the page at you? So that's what happened a couple of weeks ago, and I was reading, and this scripture caught my attention, and I was like, wow, this must be what true friendship with God looks like. And it's in Exodus 8, and it's 13, but I'm going to start in 12. It says, Then Moses and Aaron went out to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had bought against Pharaoh. And this is the key verse. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The almighty creator God did according to the word of man. Why? Because they were friends. Because they were friends. And I just want to encourage you, when you take a risk, if friendship is your basis for a relationship with the Lord, He is going to show up for you. He is going to do according to the word of His friends. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay. The next thing I wanted to touch on is the main point, and that's don't be afraid to fail. You know, I touched on it in the opening story, but, you know, without failure, there's no success. I love in Proverbs 24, 16, the New King James Version, it says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. And then in the Passion Translation, it puts it this way, For the lovers of God may suffer adversity and stumble seven times, but they will continue to rise over and over again. But the unrighteous are brought down by just one calamity and will never be able to rise again. 
that opens a huge can of worms if I, if I go into that, but um, <laughs> I'm not going to go that deep into that one. But it says, but the unrighteous are brought down by one calamity. Do we stop when we fail? Do we take failure as progress or as a destination? Because the Bible calls people who camp out in failure unrighteous. There is no failing except not trying. I think that failure was created to actually propel us forward. We're meant to learn from our mistakes. Now, if you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, that's just stupid. (laughs) I'm not saying do that. But I am saying learn from the mistakes that you've made and don't let that be something that holds you down. Let that be something that pushes you forward. Because, man, we would not have had the greatest basketball player of all times if he had have just gone, man, I got cut from my team. I'm giving up. Maybe I'll take up baseball. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you, Michael Jordan. And I just want to encourage us that the fear of failure will never overpower the disappointment of regret. The fear of failure will never overcome the disappointment of regret. So we may as well try, right? I have a couple of other little fun stories that I want to share with you. Some failure to success stories. Okay, so Thomas Edison, in what might be one of the most discouraging statements that a teacher could make to a student, he was told that he was too stupid to learn anything. Edison, as we know, went on to hold more than 1,000 patents in phonography and practical electric lamp. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty big success right there. I mean, we have lights because of that, so that's a, that's a good thing. Albert Einstein, his name is synonymous with intelligence, yet it wasn't always that way. He didn't start speaking until he was four. We have hope for Malachi, babe. <laughs> Maybe he's an Einstein in the making. <laughs> he couldn't read until he was seven. It's a great segue for me to just say, God bless teachers. I feel like the Lord gave us the job as parents of reading to our children to, to see how wide and deep the parental love boundaries go. <laughs> We are teaching our six-year-old to read. Her actually, her kindergarten teacher is right here in the audience. I love you. You're amazing. But it is seriously one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. (laughs) Anyway, that was my side note. So has nothing to do with Albert Einstein. I'm just I'm just trying to pass on the the current season that I'm in. Anyway, some thought that Albert Einstein was actually mentally handicapped. So he went on to win a Nobel Prize and altered the world's approach to physics. I mean, this is massive. I mean, I just keep thinking, like, imagine what could exist if some people didn't give up. 
We may have the cure to cancer. We may, we may have had the cure to cancer if someone didn't give up. We may have had robots that teach our kids to read if we didn't give up. <laughs> I, I mean, you just never know. <laughs> so another one is um, JK Rowling. So I thought this was a common knowledge of who she is, but I will say it because Alas, not many people know, I guess. She wrote Harry Potter. Um, so she was on welfare. She was broke, depressed, divorced, and a single mom when she wrote Harry Potter. And she is now one of the richest women in the world. And she says this. She reflects on her early failures, and this is what she says. It is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well have not lived at all. In which case, you fail by default. I'm going to read that one again. She says, it is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not lived at all. In which case, you fail by default. You know, Dr. Seuss had 27 manuscripts. I read so many interesting stories. I was like, wow, this is so crazy. He had 27 manuscripts that, sorry, he had a manuscript that he took to 27 publishers, and they all said no. You know, Dr. Seuss books have gone on to sell 600 million copies around the world. And chances are you probably read them growing up, and your kids are reading them. I mean... Praise God he didn't give up. Praise God none of these men and women gave up. Amen? Okay. So here's a little um, thing that I have learned along the way and will fully admit I don't have right yet, but I'm, I'm a work in progress. Praise the Lord. Um, but a great way to minimize disappointment when taking risk is to have a realistic expectation. I don't do this well. I, um, I recently took up running, and so in three weeks, oh dear Lord, I'm running my first half marathon. I need a little bit of a, a push of motivation to get me there at the moment, but so this is, this is what I'm, this is kind of like welcome to my brain. My, my husband is very gracious to me. But like one of the ways when I'm running that I motivate myself is like I play like voices in my head of Olympic commentators. <laughs> right? So I may not be making the right pace and I'm like, oh, I got to pick up pace, but like I don't know if I've got it in me, but I just start pushing and then all of a sudden it kicks in. He's like... The woman from Australia, she is coming up, and the lady from Russia is right behind her. Is she going to make it to the finish line? Like, this is what goes on in my head when I'm running. I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. You know? And then I go home to Joaquin, and I'm like, babe, I have a real dilemma. And he's like, okay, what? And I'm like, when I run in the Olympics, who am I going to run for? Like, Australia or America? <laughs> Because, you know, I've lived here for so long, but Australia really is my home. And, and Joaquin's like, let's cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> or I'll be like, you know, if I was a famous actress, like, what, how would I do this? Like, what would I have to put in my clauses, you know, because there's stuff you can't do. And he's like, again, let's cross this bridge when we get to it. <laughs> so I don't have 
have the best perception versus reality, but I'm working on it, and I know it. That's the key. I know I don't, so I'm okay with it. But it's interesting because I feel like I look like an Olympic athlete when I'm running, but this is actually what I look like. I just look like I'm running with candy in my hand. <laughs> it's similar to parenting, right? You have these ideal dreams of parenting. It's going to look this way. I've got to get all my ducks in a row before I have a kid. And then this is what it looks like. <laughs> I just want to say my middle child given me a bloody lip, gave me a bloody lip almost five times in the space of four months. From kicking me and headbutting me in his sleep. The struggle is real. So you are not prepared for it, but at least you can go in with some realistic expectations. <laughs> so, okay. So the only other thing that I want to add to this section is what I'm not saying is just risk everything and, again, be silly about it. You want to get godly counsel. You know, a wise man seeks counsel. But if it, I can implore you to seek counsel from people who are also taking risks. Because if the fruit of their life isn't producing what you want the fruit of your life to be, they're going to put water on your dreams instead of fire. And so I am 100% saying seek counsel. Don't just go and quit your job and move to France with four children and not know how to make ends meet and not know where your next paycheck is coming from or how you're going to put food in your kid's mouth. I am not saying that. But I am saying we do need to learn how to take risks. And it is okay. In fact, it is encouraged that you fail. I can't tell you how many times I have sat with someone and they're like, well, I really would love to do this. And they just say it on a whim. And I'm like, well, do it. And they're like, oh, but I've got small kids. I've got this. You know, the million and one excuses. The time is never going to be perfectly right. It's just not. You just got to do it. I specifically even felt when I was preparing this message that there were people in the room that you just need to feel like you have permission to chase the desires of your heart. God did not put desires in you to tease you. You know, we need to learn that passion and peace is a really good compass. Because the passion is you, and the peace is him. And you can't fail when those two things are together. You know, I think sometimes like we don't step into an, an endeavor because we're like, well, it's not what I'm called to do. Who cares? Maybe you're just meant to have fun. You know, when I had kids, I saw on Etsy that these moms were selling these really cute little baby leggings. I was like, oh, I want some of those. 
could just make these. Like, I don't want to buy them. I'll just make them. So I got a sewing machine. I just started sewing up these little leggings. And I'm like, I reckon I could make some money off this. This is pretty much how my brain works all the time. I'm like this entrepreneurial thought of like, how can you make money from this? <laughs> so I started a baby legging business. <laughs> I think I sold about four pairs. I still have tubs and tubs of material sitting in my garage. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't go into that endeavor because I felt like the Lord called me to make baby leggings. <laughs> I went into it because it brings me joy to create things. It made me happy. And God wasn't saying no. You have permission to do what makes you happy. Unless he is glaringly waving the red flag saying no. Go for it. You want to write a book? You might be the next richest woman in the world. You want to start an organization that feeds the hungry kids? Start it. Everything starts small, but you have to take that step to start. Because not taking that step, that is failure. And that's failure that you can't recover from. You'll never regret stepping out in risk and doing something that brings joy to your heart and pleasure to the Father. You're never going to regret that. You'll only ever regret if you don't do it. The world just needs happy Christians. And so many of us are just like, oh, I'm just over here suffering for the Lord. And I'm like, well, are you doing what God told you to do? Because he doesn't want you to live a lifestyle of suffering. Will you suffer? Yes, probably, most likely. I kind of hope you do. You know you're doing something for the Lord when you're getting attacked, amen? If there's a lack of spiritual warfare going on in your life, it's probably because you're not doing anything worth attack attacking. I'm just saying, we just got to give it a go. And it's okay if we have boxes of baby clothes in our garage that are never going to get sold. Who cares? But what if, what if that desire in your heart can change the world? What if that desire to run for government can overthrow policies that the enemy meant for destruction? What if taking a singing lesson propels you into this lifestyle of writing worship songs for the Lord? What if writing a book touches people that are never going to hear about the gospel otherwise? See, the desires that you have within you, they're in there for a reason. Some of them are going to change the world. And some of them are so that you can have fun doing it. You know, I just think that there is so much grace 
that's given to us as believers. When I was um, just a new believer, I used to... I don't know if anyone else, I grew up in the Baptist church. I love the Baptist church. I love how much the Baptists love the word of God. Seriously, like, it's amazing. I love it. But there was this scripture that oftentimes would be quoted as like a fearful, be careful, what if? And this was it. It was Matthew 7, 13. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by in it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So I remember this verse having like a negative connotation to me. It's like, oh, be careful. You're on the narrow road. Don't fall off. Who knows what's on the other side of that? But the only problem is, is I believe in a good God. So I know that his wrath isn't on either side of that. And it's just not biblical. (laughs) If we're going to put it in context. In the Passion Translation, John 10, 9 says, I am the gateway to enter through. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. See, we're no longer on this narrow road trying to find life. The narrow road that leads to life. Because guess what? We found it. And his name is Jesus. And I just imagine walking through those gates. And as it says, there is freedom. And it's to experience life. And I imagine walking through, through those gates into a wide open field. And the Lord just saying, go for it. And don't hear me say it's okay to live a life of sin. That is not what I'm saying. Don't hear me say that it is okay to live a life that is hurting other people and putting other people at risk. But we have far more grace and freedom than we think we do. We have the freedom to pursue our dreams. And we have the freedom to pursue the desires that God has put in our hearts. And if peace is there, he's right alongside with us. I loved what Joaquin spoke about last week, that we need to be the thermostat and not the thermometer. Well, a thermometer first and then the thermostat. It all comes back to the friendship with God. Trust that you're being led by peace, but just make sure you know what peace feels like. And the way that you know what peace feels like is because you spend time with the Prince of Peace. So take temperature. Is that what you said? Take temperature of what peace feels like in those moments when you're encountering him. It's an open conversation. You know, we would be foolish to think that life's directions only come by epic and grand encounters. I love epic and grand encounters. (laughs) I want more of them. But you know what changes me? It's the everyday conversation that I have with God. 
He makes me a better leader. He makes me a better mother. He makes me a better wife, a better friend. And it's not because I had this electrifying encounter. It's because maybe I'm sitting at the lights and someone in Austin doesn't know how to use their indicator. <laughs> and I am taught patience. <laughs> and I choose peace over road rage. <laughs> but seriously, it's those little moments in our everyday life that he so desires. And there is something special that happens when we put aside time to seek the Lord without distraction. That is sacred time. But equally as sacred is when you're washing the dishes and God just says, I love you. Or when you're playing with your kids and God just says, good job. See, it's in my everyday life conversation with God that he corrects me. Ouch. <laughs> that he grows me, that he loves on me, that he encourages me. And so I'm confident that when a decision comes my way, I'm going to move forward in peace, giving him full permission to interrupt me whenever he wants and lead me in a different way if that is what he wants. But at least I'm going to try. At least I'm going to start moving. So I want to just encourage you tonight just to start moving. If you haven't already, and if you are and you're out there and you're taking risks and, and you haven't failed yet, awesome. That's awesome. It really is. But if you do, let it be motivation. Let it be motivation to make you keep trying. Because there is no one in this room who is too old that God isn't done with you yet. And there's no one in this room who isn't qualified to do what God has called you to do. Because he gives grace. He gives grace when he calls you. truly believe that if we can disarm fear, if we can just make it like water off a duck's back when it comes to stepping out and taking risks and failure, we're going to go far greater, far greater than we ever could have imagined or dreamed because we have a good God. So I just want to encourage you tonight to pursue the things that bring you joy. Because God doesn't just love you. He really likes you. And I would not be a great friend to my friends if I, if I was only spending time with them when I needed something from them. If I didn't care about the desires of their heart. I'm so excited. I'm excited. It's so, it's so funny, this sensation that I'm feeling. It's like this bubbling 
of impending testimonies. I don't know how else to say it, but I just get this sense that God is giving some people in the room tonight courage, permission to just step out and go after even what you may deem silly, but that you love. You have permission. You have permission. And not only that, the world needs what you have to bring. So let's show up with a whole lot of joy. And let's just go after it. Amen? I don't want any of us to get to the end of our life and regret not trying. And man, watch out world. Watch out world when you get a bunch of Holy Spirit on fire, hungry for the Lord Christians who are pursuing their desires. I want you all to stand for me tonight, if you could. And I just want to give an invitation. If the ministry team is available, if they could come up the front for us. I want to speak to a couple of people, a couple of groups of people, I should say. I just want to speak to the group of people who feel like they need permission. They've just been waiting for the Lord. Have you ever seen that graphic that says, this is your sign? The sign that says, this is your sign? I feel like saying that. This is your sign. You want to move forward with something, but you're hesitant? You're asking God for a sign? This is your sign. Some of you have come to church tonight, and you're like, God, I just need a word. I just need it. This is your word. (laughs) This is it. And there are some of us that just need to take off this fear of failure and trust that we hear the voice of God. And trust that even when we fall, that he's going to catch us. I want to invite you up tonight, if you fall into any of those categories. And if you just want to pursue God and what he's placed in your heart tonight. I just want to let you know that you have a company of people who are right behind you. And if you need encouragement, we'll give you encouragement. If you need a prophetic word, ask for one. If you just need encouragement that you're on the right path, we'll encourage you. Because, man, I'm so excited. I am so excited for the testimonies, for the inventions, for the businesses. I am so excited. Because there is more potential in you than you give yourself credit for. And he sees the potential. And he's excited about the potential. And all he's saying is, step out. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.